cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else can he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad, but accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees. Well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Built. Just a dirty old sponge and it's worked. The sponge could wipe out a pandemic. It could cure us all. Yes, welcome back to the Magic Sponge slash Magic Round Celebration podcast. Uh, it's the miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues and just, you know, your rugby league injury or rugby league issues in general. My name is Brian Sini. I am the guy behind the NRL Physio social media stuff. Uh, I apologize for both how uh, myself and my wonderful co-host James sound this evening because we're coming off a couple of pretty big days at the wonder that is Magic Round. James, how are you feeling? What a great weekend. Very good weekend at Dad Schoolies, Brian, as we've coined it for here on moving forward. So... I think what were the highlights for me? Let's let's go through a few things. Obviously, spending time with yourself and a few of the nearest and dearest was a lot of fun. Suncorp was chockers. The weather was good Saturday, which was the main day we were there. Got to meet a lot of like really cool people in and around like the footy scene as well from mainly Twitter as well. And there's some really genuinely good people through that and um, just a whole heap of fun, Brian. So I'm going to be regretting how I'm feeling at the moment and backing up for work tomorrow. What, what were your highlights from Dad Schoolies? Oh, mate, it was, you know, it's the best weekend of the year. I think, um, obviously, for me, I think sitting there and sitting through what I thought was going to be an absolute rampage from the Sharkies uh, and the Dolphins getting up and Val just killing it was, uh, yeah, I was, I mean, I, you saw me, I was dancing all over the place and making an idiot of myself and uh, I don't regret one second of it because it was fantastic and yeah, got to, I always like it because you get to, you know, everybody who's there just loves footy. I think that's the vibe is, you know, everyone loves footy, they just want to talk footy, uh, getting in around, I think we were at Lord Alfred for a while and then we head down, headed down to the Caxton for our uh, downstairs dance floor midnight session. Unfortunately, Veronica's Untouched did not get played, so that was a bit, um, you know, a bit of a... Very disappointing. Yeah, that, you know, that was disappointing. But apart from that, got to talk some really good people, uh, meet some people, also fans of fans of the Magic Sponge, mate, which is always uh, always good to, good to hear about. And um, I even... I, I've got to make a special shout-out. One of my patrons, uh, I was there on Friday night watching the Manly uh, Broncos game. I'm sure he'll be listening because he told me he listens all the time. And he decided to really give me some feedback, not only on how good the Patreon is, but uh, apparently he came and saw me as a patient about 10 years ago before NRL Physio, mate. And he, he was just very glowing of, uh, you know, didn't even tell me how bad I was or anything like that <laughs> over and over and over again. So... No, nah, it was good fun. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Love, uh, you know, love talking to anyone who, yeah, who loves footy and, and, and as much as I do, which is fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I, look, I, like, I just don't, I, I think I w- don't want them to move it as much as, like, it could be, it could, yeah. I, I'm, I know I'm from Brisbane, but I just think it's just such a perfect thing at the moment. Please don't take it away. Yeah, leave it on the calendar, lock it in forever. 
I'm happy to give Sydney the grand final every year if we keep Dad's ghoulies every year. That, that <laughs> yeah. will be my trade-off. I'm happy to make that trade. Mate. Happy. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic stuff. But look, guys, um, as always, this is your one-stop shop. All things injury analysis in the NRL. We'll give you our take on all the in-game injuries around just gone and related all to Supercoach, sort of how long they're going to be out for or for NRL Fantasy, uh, what it looks like for their performance, re-injury risk, all that kind of stuff. If you find yourself enjoying this, we get heaps more over. We've got heaps more over at uh, patreon.com slash NRL Physio. Good time to join. It's early in the month, so you pay five bucks and you get the whole month um, to look at the casualty ward, uh, question and answers, deep dives, stats, all that kind of stuff. Um, I cover pretty much every injury you can think of. It's all on there. Um, you're not going to get info like that anywhere else mainly because I'm the only one stupid enough to do this kind of stuff so uh, yeah it's good fun but uh, yeah look let's get stuck into the injuries from round 10 it's a it's a good one James because I think um, tonight will be pretty short so let's have a look I don't know exactly what he's done I would have thought it was an ankle but I, I'm just guessing he shouldn't be out for a long period of time I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor we have to wait for the scans obviously but that'd be more positive than, than negative Alrighty, Brian, round 10 or magic round or dad's ghoulies, use them interchangeably to describe the round. We'll go through these reasonably quickly because there's not a huge, huge amount in terms of numbers and not a lot that have huge amounts of super coach implications either. So we'll go to the Bulldogs versus Raiders, which was the first game to kick off the round and no real concerns out of this, but I think you wanted to give a special shout out to Raiden Burns when he ruptured his MCL from last week and how he's able to play through that. Mate, that was epic. And this is a guy who has had, you know, his injury concerns over the last few years. Like, he had recurrent hamstring issues for a while, ruptured patella tendon. And then, yeah, it goes down, like, early. So, oh, and not only that, like, the other thing to mention is, and, and our wonderful friend of the show, um, big fan of the show, Gus Gould, uh, tweeted about him having, like, a stress reaction. I think it was on his calcaneus, which is in his um, in his foot. So he's not only, you know, got the history of injuries, then dealing with, like, a, a loading injury, which would just be quite painful, then he goes down early in the game with a knee injury that he kind of just tries to shrug off, gets strapped up, and, mate, like, on that run, I, I think I spoke about it at the time, just going, like, he looked so laboured, and I was just hoping I hadn't seen the injury. Initially, I was hoping that wasn't his normal running gait, and it turns out it wasn't because he had a great three MCL. So that's a completely – great three MCL sprain, I should say. So a, a completely ruptured – MCL uh, to play out the game and you know like as bad as he looked on that chase he got there like you know he unfortunately couldn't stop the try but then like put up some massive numbers and stuff like that so yeah I just uh, like uh, efforts and you know I get all these people saying oh you know what's the difference between bravery and stupidity and all this kind of stuff and yeah okay like you know you can argue either way on that and stuff but um, you know, once it's all said and done, I think, um, yeah, to sort of what the Bulldogs are going through, I think if you're a Doggies fan, you should want Braden Burns in that team any week that he's healthy because to put in a, an effort like that for your team, is they're, they're the kind of players I'd want at my club. Couldn't agree more, Brian. I think he's definitely going to be a contender for our end-of-season awards, I think, with an effort like yeah. that injury-wise. So game number two was Manly v. the Broncos. So, Good, good to see as, as a Broncos fan in this game. Um, Reese Walsh obviously looks really, really good, doesn't he? And there was a pretty good all-round effort. Always good to see Selwyn Cobbo going coast-to-coast as well. There's not much better sight in rugby league than that. Only injury concern from this, and it may not be a huge concern, was Kurt Capewell 
um, had Category 2 symptoms um, on the field. So they were sort of, I think they were more delayed concussion signs. He accidental um, sort of elbow in a tackle. After the game when he was interviewed on Channel 9, he wasn't very concerned about missing the week there. So would you be sort of concerned about Cable having to sit out potentially even with Category 2 signs, Brian? Yeah, so once again, like, I I think, you know, uh, in years gone by, it, more than likely you'd see him play next week. But, and look, I am, I'm saying this sort of off the cuff in terms of I haven't, I'm probably not at my freshest, but I haven't gone back and sort of done every concussion in recent weeks. But I'm pretty sure if he played next week, he would still be the first since these new concussion rules to to come in to play the next week after suffering a concussion. And that includes like your category twos, the ones that you can apply for an exemption for. So uh, yeah, we're, we're just in new territory. I think with concussions at the moment, we said that with, uh, you know, chance nickel clock star and, uh, and uh, who was it from Katoa from the storm, you know, yeah, like Katoa, like yeah. they're playing, um, you know, they played, 11 days post, and, uh, yeah, it was the first time it was tested, and, uh, yeah, it was tested, and they were allowed to play on the 11th day. So, yeah, we're all we're all in new territory here. I, I Like, I just don't think – I don't think you can put – like, I, anybody who's guessing, it's just like a, toy, a coin toss at the moment. If they get it right, it's like, well done, but it's really hard to base that on anything because there's just not a lot of past information to go off at this point in time. So it's good that Kurt feels that he's good and he's going well, but, yeah, we just have to – see how the process plays out this week, I think. Complicating that, Brian, it's actually the Broncos play the Storm next Thursday night oh, as well, yeah. so that would be on a six-day turn. So it might be just something to keep an eye on uh, for people before um, the Broncos get named and before that Thursday night game. It's good as the first game of the week for some coach purposes if you need to do a pivot. Next game was the Warriors versus the Panthers. We were obviously um, set up camp at Suncorp for this game, Broncos. Uh, sorry, I was going to say there, Brian, and um, – I don't know if it looked like this on TV, but certainly we'd have a we'd have a few beers by here already. To me, it looked like the Warriors were getting robbed left, right, and center, oh, <laughs> like man. in terms of the decision making going against them. So, please fill us in if that wasn't actually the case. But it didn't really seem like they got a rub of the green in this game. So anyway, interesting from the bleachers in terms of what that looked like. But two injury concerns out of this for the Warriors. Um, Ed Cosey had a knee injury, I think, from memory. Brian was that when he shot in off the wing and. Um, and put a pretty clean shot on Stephen Crichton, in, in my opinion, that um he sort of came out of that with a knee concern. Difficult to tell the mechanism exactly behind that. And then Jackson Ford was reported as a delayed um, concussion symptoms, so Category 2 delayed symptoms there for his concussion. So he's one to watch on the 11-day turn, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. So we were a bit confused sitting up in the stands. I mean, you know, we're probably a bit confused a lot of the weekend with things because you don't get that um, that immediate sort of info on things. But it, it sounds like he came off the sin bin, went in and then developed symptoms um, or something like that, but only Category 2 because obviously he didn't like get knocked out on the field or, or show those clear signs on the field. But the fact they were delayed once again, all new, like this is all new stuff, right? Like in terms of, I'm not sure if that, like, because it did say like I think complex or, or there's some sort of thing where if you don't have that straightforward sort of on-field symptoms and then you're, you're symptom-free post-game and all that kind of stuff, that's when you can apply for an exemption. Is a delay from on-field to off-field enough to sort of like, you know, qualify him under that criteria of having a complex, you know, uh, concussion as such. 
it, it's a bit tough to tell. So, yeah, once again, we're just going to have to see how that goes. I mean, uh, Andrew Webster post-game wasn't even sort of, you know, he, he was a bit vague on it, was saying, oh, something around his head, not really sure, that kind of thing. So it's all a bit of a mystery at this stage, but definitely one to watch for because I know there's a lot of people who are Jackson uh, Ford owners. So, yeah, look, we just have to wait and see on that one. Ed Cossey with his knee, uh, we saw it live on the big screen, it looked like knee-to-knee contact. I just went back and had a look at it um, just before we jumped on here, and it did still look like that knee-to-knee contact. So usually you're looking at just like a cork or, or, or a bone contusion, something like that. Worst case, it can sort of end up in a fracture, but you'd hope it didn't get that far. But the one thing I will say about this, and this is something that I've learned um, over my time, sort of I I would usually, and in the past, I looked at those and I'm like, oh, just a contact injury to the inside of the knee, you know, mostly just bruising, um, you know, minimal chance of sort of structural damage or so, uh, anything like that. But I've, I've seen those end up multiple times over the, you know, the last four or five years of doing this as MCL sprains, uh, like where, you know, it's not a stretch sprain as stuff, but it's all, uh, as such, sorry, but it's more, uh, yeah, because of that impact, the impact is that significant that it causes damage to the MCL. Uh, so there is a, still a chance that that is the case. So um, that is something that I would have written off as no, his MCL is going to be fine uh, years ago, but I've learned that, you know, that mechanism can eventuate uh, can result in uh yeah mcl damage yeah nicely summarized well, i think good one to watch there to keep an eye on for people moving forward with ed cossey not really any reports on nrl.com as it stands at the moment so we don't really have too much other clarity to go off apart from that probably the biggest game of the round here brian i'm gonna <laughs> throw the floor open to you which is the sharks week dolphins i mean if anyone thought the Dolphins were winning that by that margin, I would have sent them for a psychiatric assessment and a mental health care plan because I wouldn't have assumed them to be medi- medi- like at <laughs> all mentally sound. stable. Yeah. Um, so good on the Dolphins. Suncorp was absolutely heaving in this game, sucked into the Sharks fans <laughs> massively, in my opinion. Um, there's a bit of a backstory behind that, which I won't bother sharing now. But <laughs> in this game, we had... Um, you and Aiken with a hamstring injury, and then obviously a Valtafare masterclass. So he's been he's been sort of lauded as Val Meninga, which I'm a oh. big fan of. That's good wordplay. Um, and you had a fairly good, really, really would have been life changing sort of bet on on him <laughs> scoring three plus, which just missed out. Which was we you were definitely riding those last twenty minutes of that game, hoping he could get a triple. Wasn't to be, but it was one of the. Great, exciting games of the round, in my opinion, Brian. Oh, mate. Section 527 at Suncorp Stadium was the Val Tafare fan club. At You know, those last 20 minutes, I felt like we are all riding it. Uh, yeah, like, obviously, you know, he's a bit of a cult hero. You like them in your team. I think I said a lot pre-season. These are the kind of guys that I want to see play in in the fins like you know as much as I'm if I had a won that bet I would have then put the money towards uh you know funding my trip to the uh Bronx eventual Bronx Dolphins grand final which is obviously now going to happen with the form of of, of those two sides but yeah, like you know, in in these kind of situations where the the, the Dolphins at the business end, you know, they're probably not going to be in the grand final. I'd love to think that they will be, but they probably won't be. So you know, give 
the guys like Val Tafare a, a crack, like because you know you, you, it just the excitement was insane. And I know I'm like obviously the head of that fan club, so my excitement's going to be more than a lot of people's. But yeah, it was just yeah awesome to see. He's obviously a massive talent. Probably has to work on his defence a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that bet. It was just good to have a bit of fun and, you know, to all those people asking about the uh, the cash out, it's just not, it's not even an option. Like, that's the best 10 bucks I've ever spent. Riding that home towards the end was some of the most exciting footy I've ever watched in my life, although the poor bugger was cramping up from, like, 30 minutes to go. So I was like, someone's just got to break through and hand it to him, a bit like they did with his second try. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but, yeah, look, get around him. What a... Yeah, what a debut, just fantastic. And yeah, up the fins, like I didn't expect it to happen. So yeah, good stuff. But Ewan Aiken, uh, hamstring injury. He's got a bit of a history of hamstring stuff. I think three or four years ago, he actually went to the extremes of, or not extremes, but to the lengths of getting a um, epidural injection in his back because they thought his back was contributing to persistent hamstring sort of tightness and and symptoms and stuff like that. So he does have that history of hamstring, sh- like recurrent hamstring issues there, a bit like uh, a bit like Brenko as well. So a couple of hamstring issues there. Look, like usually they've got the buy next week, so there's a potential if it is a minor issue and I would be leaning more towards a minor issue because he was able to finish out the half um, and just didn't come back after half time so hopefully just a minor issue and you're probably looking at two to four weeks with that so uh, even if um, Branko is fit potentially um, he is just slotting in for you and Aitken who might miss a week or two rather than getting rid of uh, Val Meninga who should just have a, a mortgage on that and I'm petitioning for him to just maintain the number 21 jersey just never name him in number three just keep him in number 21 yeah there's something with that isn't there's there's a vibe about wearing 21 with a big unit in the in the outside back so I'm just <laughs> I'm a pretty big fan I've got to say there's just a about it there's just a there's an energy about it there's there's pure rugby league about it so long mate stay and, and good on him for a great debut Brian I think everyone can can appreciate what, what an awesome first showing up it is obviously it's a long year and you know things change but you know, you've got to celebrate these things when they're happening. And I think it sort of just goes to show when everyone was saying, oh, expansion, there's not enough talent around. Like, mate, there's talent. Like, oh, you just there's not mate. as much opportunity and some clubs are just poorly managed. Like, there's talent enough out there with, if you can give these guys opportunities. I think that sort of rings true from that perspective is what I sort of thought the other night. Wrapping yeah. up that Dolphins game there, Brian, and we'll move to the Storm and Bunny. So, no major um, big injuries here. I think Nelson Sofa Solomon has been reported as a rib injury. And then Jonah Pezzett, um, I think, has been reported as a moderate to high grade AC joint injury. He injured himself in a Q Cup game. So he was in a sling post game. So do you want to give us a bit of an update about um, Nass and Jonah Pezzett? Yeah, the rib injury, we didn't um, really see the incident. And I haven't, I'll put my hand up and say I haven't had a chance to go back and sort of find it for Nass yet. But I guess um, just speaking generally about rib injuries, I don't like them for middle forwards. We'll talk about uh, a player later in Max King dealing with those kind of rib injuries. Uh, it's it, it tends to really limit their work rate um, and their and sort of risk of aggravation in game and stuff like that. So uh, if he avoids a fracture, he's probably he's, he's a chance to be back next week. It's usually one to three weeks return to play. 
if you if there is a fracture, it's usually three to four weeks. As we've seen with Max King, he can come back sooner. Uh, but yeah, usually that's the difference sort of between the two. So he, yeah, he. Either way, I think yeah, I, I wouldn't be going all in. I thought. Um, he was a really good prospect after his performance last week, but off the rib injury, I just would be waiting and seeing with him for sure. And then Pezet, yeah, I've seen a photo of him in a sling uh, post-game after Q Cup and apparently a pretty significant AC joint injury. So they do rarely require surgery, but it can be anywhere from kind of two to six weeks for that kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, the the Storm, you know, they're going to lose Munster, over the uh, over the origin period, potentially Pezet. Uh, I, I don't think they'll need Pezet. Well, for a legitimate buy round, I think Melbourne play round sixteen potentially. I haven't looked at that, but you know, if 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 Munster potentially can't back up after an origin or something like that, I don't know whether they'll have Pezet for that um, round fourteen game, which will be immediately post. Uh, yeah, post origin, which will be interesting for Storm fans, particularly. I think. Yeah, he's reasonably. Oh, he's, he was rostered there for a little bit at the um, half position. I don't think too many people were still carrying him at the moment. But yeah, one to keep an eye on with the, the AC joint injury. Next game was the Dragons versus the Tigers. So pre-game, John Bateman was ruled out with a hamstring concern, and I think one that's a really good observation with your eagle eyes there, Brian, was Tyrell Sloan with some pretty significant AC joint padding. He was mentioned. Um, on the sponge here a few weeks back. So probably good to sort of deep dive into that a little bit more because he's someone that was probably on um, the super coach radar for a bit there, but I think it probably leans you more towards probably avoiding there if he's carrying a, a fairly moderate AC joint injury for the rest of the year. Yeah, I just, um, it was something I picked up on today in watching the telecast and I'll put my hand up and say that it wasn't something he's, it's likely he's been wearing it for weeks and it's just something that I haven't picked up on. But we did mention him on this pod maybe three, four weeks ago that he went down late in the game holding his shoulder and it looked like it was an AC joint injury. So he's probably carrying something there that can definitely affect it. Look, it affects outside backs a lot less mind you, but we've seen instances like I I keep coming back to the Josh Mansour one from seasons ago where he had a grade three and just came back after like one or two weeks and kept going. He just wasn't all that great sort of moving forward. So look, with Sloan, it's it's hard to know because he is a bit of a rocks or diamonds player. Like sometimes he just, the stuff he does works and then other times not so much. So potentially he's just had a few bad weeks because that stuff just hasn't worked and a few, you know, I guess brain fade decisions, but definitely something to keep in mind uh, if you were considering him. And then Bateman with the hamstring, apparently he felt some tightness in it in the captain's run on Saturday. Then it just twinged on him a little bit um, pre-game they're thinking it's only a minor um, issue at this stage so he'd be a chance the next week but I'd see I'd say more likely the week after Cowboys versus Roosters was the next one there Brian only concern of that one was Egan Butcher with a concussion so he'll likely miss the 11 days there any other concerns out of that game no no all right Titans versus Eels was the last one so pretty big news for Mitchell Moses owners in Supercoach he's been um, I guess diagnosed with concussion out of this game and then Joe Stimson has been reported as a shoulder or neck injury out of this game too, Brian. Yeah, so Stimson kind of, I was just checking as you were saying that to see if Stimson came back on. I don't think he did because he went off, he, he kind of heard it in a tackle right before Mike Acevo scored um, one of his early early second half tries. He just seemed to grab like at his neck 
shoulder region. So, yeah, no, he didn't come back on. Um, yeah, it just looked like – it almost looked like he was sort of motioning up his neck. So I wonder if it's like just like a burner, one of those burner stinger kind of things. So probably nothing major to worry about if that is the case. Uh, then Joe Stimson – oh, sorry, Mitch Moses with his concussion. Yeah, it was Category 1. So he'll definitely miss 11 days. Uh, so, yeah, he'll be out. That's a bit of a dagger. I, I hovered over – a, uh, a Cleary to Moses trade this week for, uh, you know, for potentially for money purposes. So, and I'm, I know there's a lot of people who did that one. So that is a big killer. Yeah, nicely summarised, Brian. I think for the wrap, that's the round 10 dad school is wrap. So we'll go straight from injuries into the patron questions. So patreon.com forward slash NRL physio is what you need to follow to get Brian to mention some things, to discuss some things, to get more specific information for your football watching pleasure. First question, Brian, was about Tohu Harris. How do you think Tohu looked this week? I think someone said on Patreon, I was considering getting on from a super coach point of view, but be a little bit cautious after hearing all the things that keep happening from a knee perspective. He scored quite well this week. Would you be looking at someone like Tohu Harris in the front row four position? Yeah, so he was someone who I uh, I spoke on Patreon about this week. Um, uh, like he was someone who I was getting a lot of questions on from the patrons and sort of said, look, it's more than likely they're going to ease him back in to a full workload over the next couple of weeks. They'd said um, in the media that his MCL was structurally sound but a bit loose, which effectively means there's no like real tearing or anything like that on scans. But then obviously uh, when they're doing the hands-on testing, they can feel a little bit of laxity or looseness there. That does leave him a little bit more susceptible to injury moving forward because of that looseness that is there. Like it'll take less of a force to kind of stretch that knee out. But it, it's not something I, I thought if he got through a couple of weeks, I said on Patreon, he is somebody who I am looking to bring in before round 13 if he looks okay over the next few weeks. Now, the Warriors coach came out and said that they did want him to have a break and uh, during the game, but he ended up playing the full 80 because things just fell that way. And they had a few, I think, you know, they had the sin beating and had a few guys go off and those kind of things, and they just kept him on. And he obviously did really well. So I think we'll talk about him from a draft perspective quite soon because we've got a few buy low sell highs in the in the questions uh in a sec but for the moment in classic i mean he's 564k at a 70 break even so he scored like 96 so he'll probably go up a little bit um look he's not the highest upside but i i i don't mind him if he shows it again next week i mean i'm I'm not smart enough to know what his break even will be like just yet but if he won't go up a a huge amount um over the next two or over next week he's definitely something who i'm someone who i'm looking to bring in the following week because yeah i'm not i'm not overly concerned with the knee moving forward he is at a slightly increased risk of injury but not enough to shy me away from him yeah nicely summarized i think for me i've been this is probably a bit of recency bias for me but i bought him in and then traded him out for tino Faso malawi so I'm sort of going to roll differently for the rest of the year there just because I bought him in and he tanked on me. So I've been a little bit burnt there. So probably don't take my advice. Take your advice instead, <laughs> right? Because it's going to be far more reasonable and not filled with bias and trade rage clouds across it. my eyes with the red mist. Question number two, Ryan, was about Max King and Jacob Karaz. What did you make of their return coming back from injury? It seemed like they were reportedly going to be missing for longer. 
I sort of had, had an opinion on this as well after you about how they looked. Where did, what did you make of their performance coming back in this round just gone? Yeah, mate. Well, old, um, yeah, once again, friend of the show, Gus coming out with the bangers uh, saying that, and look, to, to give him credit, and I mean, I was exactly the same. Like when he said that Max King had a fracture in that uh, rib slash sternum area, most of the time guys are going to miss around that or, or the return to play is going to be three to four weeks. Uh, so, and Gus said, I think four weeks, that's, that's reasonable like that. He's not, you know, speaking out of turn there medically that, that, that's pretty standard. Now, obviously the doggies are going through some stuff at the moment. Injury wise, they don't have a lot of troops. So Max has, has come back early, obviously with the, the addition of painkilling injections, a chest guard, I think he was wearing, uh, those kind of things. The biggest thing there is that, uh, I, I didn't notice anything specifically from him, Max King himself, in terms of the eye test. But then you look at his workload, which is exactly what we talk about on here all the time. Middle forwards, rib injuries, sternum injuries, that kind of thing. He only scored 46 super coach points, which is well below his usual. Like I think before that, he was scoring like 60s, mid-60s those kind of things. So he definitely had a drop in that work rate. Kiraz was the big one. And I think we both, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to agree here and I'll let you take the front foot because yeah, I just did not think he looked crash hot out there. Yeah. He didn't look at his best, did he? And he didn't have the same amount of, you know, carries and of yardage and um, same tackle break ability. So I think he looked a little bit underdone, but again, I, I think the Bulldogs are just in that, fairly dire predicament where they're just trying to um, get those guys on the field and, and keep them there and, you know, hopefully pre- prevent re-injury or worsening of injury. So I would be certainly keeping an eye on Karaz in his price for standard purposes because he will drop some money and I think he's going to be someone that you probably want in your centre wing by the season's end. Would you agree, Ryan? Yeah, 100%. Very good. How do you think Tommy Turbo looks live in that Manly Broncos game? Do you have confidence in him moving forward, Brian? It seems like we talk about Tommy Turbo every week. <laughs> what, what do you reckon this week? Any yeah, changes from geez. previous? This is this is a late question. I literally just got a message about it as we were uh, recording the early part of the podcast, so I threw it in on you sight unseen. But, uh, yeah, look, I um, as I said, I was sitting there wanting to – I was watching the Bronx uh, Manly game and really wanted to keep an eye on Tommy Turbo. I think uh, you and I are probably going to – disagree a little bit here in that I was a little bit off him off the ball kind of thing like he did look he, he just was blowing a lot like and I've seen Turbo play live before watched him off the ball that kind of stuff he's somebody who I obviously keep my eye on quite a bit and just fitness wise I've never seen him like hands on knees you know sucking in the big ones more uh, than I saw him then I like I thought he looked okay running the ball uh, you know there were some good times where he's looming up in support he might not have actually received the ball but he he did look okay in support. He obviously got absolutely torched by Selwyn Cobbo in that chase, which everybody's kind of focusing on. I think he's going to get torched by Selwyn Cobbo, even if he's 110% fit, because Cobbo's pretty, like, probably not the quickest guy over 20, but over, you know, 80 metres, he's going to be pretty impressive. But, yeah, that was probably the, my biggest concern from Turbo, and I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago just how we were a bit confused at the, like, you know, the management in terms of, like, just give him a couple of weeks to sort of get it right, I think. And, and yeah, to see him, to see him blowing and sucking in the big ones in back play multiple times. And, and the way I summarised it, and, look, there might be Manly fans or eagle-eyed 
people better than me who notice that Turbo has done this in the past. But I could not believe, I think it was in the second half, they had a scrum 10, 20 metres out on the Broncos line. Guys lined out either side of the scrum and they packed Turbo into the scrum. And I just was like, surely that, like, as I said, maybe it is part of the game plan. Maybe I, I, I'm talking out my ass here, but I just thought surely you'd have Turbo on a sweep or, you know, doing something at that point. But he kind of then ran back and, and seemed to be blown. And, and, and so I just wonder if the, you know, all this injury rehab and stuff like that, that he's going through, you know, he's getting knocked back and he's got the hip pointer and he's got the back and he's got the groin. I just wonder if that's played with his, his fitness, his cardiovascular fitness a little bit as well. So yeah, I like, I, I still thought he looked okay, but he, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, I, like, it wasn't enough to make me go, I want to buy him back in now. Um, I mean, I've, once again, I'm probably a bit biased the other way in that I've only just sold him. But, uh, yeah, like the, the signs are there. I just, yeah, still question his fitness a little bit. I mean, how are you feeling as a turbo owner, someone who held him? He still scored well. Um, you know, got a nice little try assist at the end. How are you feeling about him? Yeah, probably more confident than you after seeing him the other night in in person, or not in person, but live at Suncorp. I, I thought the effort areas were pretty good there. Um, I think Manly was slow at the gate. I think the game in general was a fairly quick game. I think the only person who wasn't really blowing was Payne Haas, and obviously we know he's got the biggest engine probably in rugby league, to be fair. So I probably wasn't as concerned about the hands-on hips. I think the scrum packing stuff, I think you're dealing with an Anthony Seabell coach team here, Brian. I don't think you can <laughs> you, you can say that was a turbo decision or a something else decision. Who knows what the hell happens um, at that level with the club. But I thought, to me, he was – you know, he, he was nearly a pass away from a try as well when he's looming up in support. The effort areas were there when Manly got in good field position, but they were completely dominated by a better Broncos team. So I'm not as concerned um, as what you are. So I'm I'm pretty happy to roll with. I'm pretty, pretty good about him moving forward. I think it's going to be really interesting with his selection for State of Origin. I was just going to well, say, would you pick him if you're Freddie? To me, I would, yeah. Yeah, Sanders, definitely. I don't, Sanders I don't, or Wing? Yeah, I don't think it really matters. I think yeah, right. if you've got Tom in that team, he makes you a better team. And as a Queensland fan, I would not want to see him in that squad. Yeah, I think yeah. if your centre pairing is Latrell and Tom, I think you've got a hard time beating them. Yeah. I would say even you could probably pick Campbell Graham and Tom Turbo on that right wing potentially yeah, if you yeah. wanted to. So I don't think it really matters too much. He's done the business there at centre. He's done the business there on the wing in the past in the sky blue. He's, he's going to get it done. I, I don't think you have too many problems. I think... Freddie got the most out of him. Tom's a professional. You know, he's he's probably still off the drink. You know, he hasn't had a sip of alcohol in, in forever. I think I'd be pretty confident in him wearing sky blue. And if I was a New South Wales selector, I would 100% pick him myself. But would you select him in your New South Wales squad? Yeah, I my main take is I would pick him, but on the wing. I think Campbell Graham's been that good at centre. I just think moving Campbell Graham away from his preferred position, I don't think Tom's been good enough to justify that. I think um, I think he absolutely pick him on the wing because I think to your point, like a team without Tommy Turbo is even you know with him not quite at his best at the moment. I still think you pick him, but I just don't think he's been good enough, or even his reputation is good enough to knock Campbell Graham out of his preferred position because Campbell Graham has just been epic. Yeah, that's a really good take. I think Kemp Graham has had a sensational year so far and he thoroughly deserves the selection. We'll move on to the very last question here from Patreon, Brian. So 
for fantasy football draft purposes, do you have your eye on any guys you'd be buying low or attempting to sell high? Uh, yes, I've got my favourite one from an injury perspective, uh, and I think we're both on the train here, is Kaloa Matungi. Like, obviously, he's off with syndesmosis uh, surgery at the moment. The big thing I'll say there is, like, obviously, he's got a big reputation, and, and you know, you're not going to get him, like, dirt cheap. But I think if there's people out there who think that he might take some time to come back to get back to his best off syndesmosis surgery, that's not going to be the case if historical data is anything to go by. Uh, we see forwards, backs, everyone comes back from this surgery really, really well. Um, so I think in that, on that vein, actually, someone who I hadn't written down, but uh, Josh Adekar as well, like even somebody of his ilk who uses that change of direction a lot, I think getting guys coming back off syndesmosis surgeries is something that I've followed in draft in recent seasons and had great success with, like getting some good uh, getting some good value there. Uh, I'm back on the Cotter train. I think uh, even though he scored well this week, I, I like him as a bit of a buy low in front row forward. If you can get him, I think he's still going to be a premier front rower. Uh, TPJ, there, there's, you know, I, I know you're going to be behind me on that because uh, we, yep. we love TPJ and, and Christian Welsh. They're just two front rowers that I think you can get for next to nothing. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're not averaging well at all, but like they're almost with their scores. You could almost argue if you just went on their scores and not their reputation, they're, they're waiver fodder, right? So when it gets to that stage, I'm like, you know, like surely you can get, like there's somebody out there who's a bit frustrated with them. I just think they're two guys where the second half of the season could be a lot better for both of those guys. Like Welsh obviously coming off the Achilles injury and then TBJ off the calf stuff. Like once they get sort of over that initial hump, does that second half of the season bode well for them? I think there is a good chance, and especially at a shitty position like front row where you barely get any upside, I think they both do show signs. Uh, I had here by low on Taruva, I think a left winger in Penrith. You know, Penrith obviously haven't been as... Um, you know, red hot in the attacking stakes, but surely uh, they come good soon. And then sell high, and I know we just spoke about Tohu, how I want to buy him in Classic. I think my sell highs of uh, Fanua Blake and Tohu Harris, uh, just because I think both of them, are, you know, have those big scores there. It, this isn't price-related. It's more like how their owner you know, or how people in the league will value them because they're putting up big scores, but I just don't see them maintaining those big minutes um, or those big scores sort of moving forward. So if you can sell Tohu Harris as somebody who's going to score, you know, 80-plus every week or something and you can get good value for that, I absolutely would. And same with Fanua Blake. Like, he's been averaging over 70 recently. If you can get that value for him from a guy in the front row, I absolutely would. Uh, a few controversial ones here. I would sell high on Jeremy Marshall King. As somebody who loves the Dolphins, obviously, um, looking at Jeremy Marshall King, he cannot keep getting attacking stats. I don't... Uh, like, surely he can't. Well, maybe he can, but I, I like he's averaging what he is because he's getting a try or an assist or two assists every week. And I just think that is going to regress to the mean at some stage. So I think he's a really good sell high 
um, at some point. And then, look, the the most controversial one, but I think the lock, you buy low on Val Tafare every day of the week. Like, you know, what you saw from him on the weekend is only beginning. He's going to be the highest scorer in Supercoach the rest of the season. That's, you know, that's just a, a mild sort of take, I think. But, uh, yeah, I think buy low on him and you'll just win the ship. What about you, mate? Yeah, I really like your take, actually. Probably the one I like the most out of all them, Brian, is buying low on Taruva. I think, like you said, he's a left-winger from the Panthers. Remember how many Taylor May scored last year? He scored, mm. he scored about 17 tries in 19 games yeah. or something like that. He's only scored two in 10 games. Yes, exactly. um, bases quite well as well. I think his um, hit-up stats are about 34 points in hit-ups on the weekend just gone. So I think that's a really, really nice one to sort of entertain for Sunil Taruva. He's, he's probably not really someone that is highly valued by a lot of people either, given that he's a, a winger too. But I think he could be someone that starts to hit a bit more upside later in the year. I've said to sell high on Mike Acevo. So Big Mike is scoring tries deluxe, but he scored something like 10. He's got 13 tries in 10 games. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of extra sort of base and power stats to go with that. So I guess... You can sort of make an argument of like, do you sell high if you think he regresses slightly from a try scoring point of view, or do you buy him thinking that he can just maintain it because that's the way the Eels like to run their attack down that left side? So <clears throat> I think you can do either which way with um, Mike Acevo from that point of view. The other people I'm saying to buy low on, sorry, I've got massively croaky boys, mate. Apologies. That's all right, mate. Um, we're, uh, we're both in the same boat. I think people yeah. can expect this after our uh, MVP performances. At, uh, That's right. Uh, put in put in a good shift <laughs> at the Caxton Hotel till whatever o'clock it was the other night. So I've said by low on Cam Murray because I think his scores haven't really reflected how good he's been so far. He's been a historical gun. I think you buy low on him if you can. I still think Tommy Turbo and Joe Suwaliti I'd be looking to buy low on as well. That's just a personal take. I don't really have much more to back that up on, apart from what I mentioned earlier there. But they would be the guys I'd be looking at in more detail to sort of buy low on there, Brian. So I think that would be my sort of wrap-up from a super coach point of view. Love it, mate. Well, look, let's move on. This is the first week in a while where, you know, I'm going to have to hand over the best bloke award to you for this week not only from a super coach perspective you've rolled me in the classic stakes but I think your performance on the weekend at Magic Round you know you really showed yourself to be a great bloke you know shouting drinks all over the place talking to the punters just loving life uh, you know you did get accused of cutting in line uh, at the bar you were very apologetic <laughs> about that you know uh, the lovely Sharkies fans were getting into you but uh, yeah mate look uh, hit us with your super coach, uh, super coach score this week and your plans moving forward. Well, I'll address the um, the aggressive Sharks baby boomer who <laughs> nearly tried to rock and roll me at 1pm on Saturday for my first beer at um, Hotel LA. But yeah, what a weapon. He's just gone straight in for me. Oh, you're cutting in front of me. And I was like standing beside one of their mates and I was like, I'm, I'm 99% sure that is not what happened. But um, I will say on the good bloke stakes, Brian, as well, I nearly um, did be – Play the role of matchmaker as well. I think there's oh, a, a, a friend of my wife's and a friend of ours didn't eventuate, but I'm hopeful that there might be something moving forward. A little I've bit always of, said, I've always said you're the best then, mate, best wingman. Yeah, there, there might be some more to that story, which I'll share with you later, which is eventuated from today. But supercoach wise, I'm going to have bragging rights here as a good bloke for the week. So 13:20 for me, I had um, the captain on Cleary who unicorn point up massively, so that was good for me to see. Um, Alex Johnson was a good trade-in for me. He got a double. 
I'm not going to say I'm like a legend, like super genius for making that call. Like you only have to look at how many tries Alex Johnson scores historically and just realize that that was going to turn around for him at some point. So if you're someone that got on with him, well done. Um, Suet Lee scoring 17 is yuck. But again, like I said before, I'm happy to hold there and hopefully that turns around too. Turbo I'm sticking fat with, I think you need two high ceiling dudes at fullback. So that's why I'm not really on the um, the Buller bandwagon for the fullback from the West Tigers there. I can see the appeal of um, the money aspect of it, but I, I would rather probably have a, a Turbo, even if he's not quite fully fit there, that is a weekend, week out play rather than um, when – you know, Bullo, do you play him, do you not? Is he purely a cash grab? I think yeah. I would just say, like, you got to find two high-ceiling dudes at fullback. Um, I'm out of trade boost, Brian, because I have very poor self-control when it comes to trading. <laughs> so I'm looking at outs this week, maybe Christian Welsh or Josh Schuster, um, and trading in, you know, do you go early on to Fare? It depends on his job security, I suppose. Um, they've got the buy too. Uh, but then Cam Murray and, and maybe Maybe Billy Smith as well. I'm sort of a bit in two minds about what to do in terms of downgrade options there. I think they might be a watch and wait, but I think Cam Murray might be someone I'm trying to bring in to get Schuster to him because I think eventually he turns the scores around there. The Bunnies are looking very, very good as well. I think you have to put them in the premiership conversation um, there for where they're sitting at the moment. They're humming. They're absolutely humming. And I think eventually Cam Murray will get his, which we have always seen historically. What was your score at this week, Brian? And what are your plans for um, this week on the trade front? Man, I like your Billy Smith call. Just looking, uh, he's only 289k. That's cheap as. So, I mean, if he holds that down, the, the risk is here. Like, the risk is obviously going busted. So, how long is it before before uh, Manu moves back out to the centres? But that's a really good pickup. I did not think of that. Uh, I scored 11.92. Still pretty happy with that. I think, like, I captain Nico, like, Everyone did. Uh, I brought in Horsburgh. Yeah, really, really stoked with how he performed. I thought he put in a good shift. He playing himself into origin contention for me. Like, I thought he's... Yeah, yeah, it's a good call. Really, really good. So, he's looking great. Uh, Trades this week, I've got mine, Jaden Sullivan, I think. Uh, He played today, I thought, in a pretty disappointing dragon side. He was, you know, a bit of a shining light. Looked really, really good. He was even, like, he potentially keeps the goal kicking if Hook doesn't get fired and Lomax comes back. So, But even Lomax was kicking pretty poorly beforehand as well. So I don't know if Jaden Sullivan's a bit of a good kicker. But, yeah, I think he should be in the 300,000 somewhere. And I've got uh, uh, Sonny Luke at backup hooker, and that is just killing me week in, week out. Like if, you know, Grant's out because of origin or something like that. Like, yeah, having to play Sonny Luke just sucks. So, yeah, I'm hopefully there. And then, yeah, I, I was always bringing in Alex Johnston this week. That was the plan. I, um, yeah, didn't have didn't have the cash even using a boost to bring him in this week. Uh, otherwise, I probably would have off your expert, you know, super coach, uh, super coach mind advice. But, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to use a boost this week and bring him in. I'm still trying to figure out who I downgrade though. I was considering Teddy to Buller, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Teddy, Teddy just, I mean, the Roosters just don't look great. It's not even just Teddy. It's just the Roosters have been, yeah. I mean, they scored, they, they had a good win last week in the wet, but yeah, they just, I don't know what's going on at the Roosters there. So I've got a, I've got a few sort of downgrade options that I can consider. Um, but yeah, that's probably going to be, I'm going to downgrade somebody, maybe even a Christian Welsh, potentially a bit like yourself and then go Sonny Luke up to Jaden Sullivan and someone up to Alex Johnston potentially. Uh, so yeah, so that's where I'm at, uh, mate. Otherwise I think we've done pretty well. 45 minutes, uh, after a big weekend, I think, you know, relatively incident free. Well done, mate. Well, yeah, very good, Brian. Three Dally M points to yourself. Good, good, good on you for backing up and <laughs> putting on a good show for us and, and our close friends on this Saturday night. Oh, mate, it's good fun. It's always good fun. And, look, thanks to all those who came down and had a chat to us. It, it was certainly started as a bit of a G up on the podcast in terms of our midnight meetup, but it ended up eventuating. We were at LA till about 11, and then we ended up wandering down to the Caxton. And the Caxton was at its best, James, wasn't it? Like, anybody – like, I had a crack at um, another friend of the show, Matt Bungard. Uh, you know, that they rolled off to, I think, it was the regatta or something like that. And I'm like, how can you go – anywhere but if not Caxton Street but you have to end up at the Caxton Hotel after like I know people might think that you know it smells bad and you know this and that and it's stuff spilled everywhere and stuff like that but it's part of the experience it was fantastic just getting around everyone everyone loves footy having a good chat I told Timmy Williams of SC Playbook why everybody should go early on Valtafare this week even though he's got a buy and he's only played one game because he's the best player in the comp and I think Timmy will uh, will probably follow me on giving that advice this week on the pod I'm sure either him or Supercoach Spy one or the other but uh, yeah no fantastic to get around everyone and uh, yeah Good to sit here and talk to you. As I said, glad there wasn't too many injuries, so I didn't miss out on too much. But, uh, yeah, mate, this week at work is going to be a bit of a fizzer. I think after that weekend, it's just going to be that Magic Round Blues. Yeah, I know. We need to sort of line up the next the next great catch-up ASAP, I think, Brian, to have something to look forward to. Mate, start planning Magic Round 24. You know, yeah, mock it in. <laughs> get, get it going. Quarter box. Quarter box <laughs> oh, next time. Yeah. We'll... we'll, we'll We'll try and find a way to make it happen. Start saving now, my friends. Start saving now. But uh, look, guys, that's a wrap for this week. If you like the pod, as always, give us a review. Recommend to a friend. As I said, thanks for everyone coming down and having a chat to us. It was good to meet a few uh, people, fans of the show, all that kind of stuff. If you want more info like this, once again, patreon.com slash physio is your place to go. But otherwise, up the mighty, mighty Redcliffe Dolphins. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.